The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. Uh, thank you, Man Han. Uh, thank you for this opportunity that I, I get to preach uh, in GCC. Uh, indeed, uh, when, when Massimo gave me this task to, to preach, and the title is The God Who Judges, um, it is something that is, uh, that is uh, difficult uh, for me uh, in the early journey of my faith that uh, I have to uh, wrestle with this. Uh, I remember one of my brother came to me, uh, a non-believer, and asked um, why the God that you believe is a God of love, but why did, did when you read the Old Testament, how, why they destroyed all these people? And at that time, I have no answer. And I wrestled for a long time. And today, when we look at this text in Genesis chapter 18, um, it's a difficult text and it's a long text. But uh, as we look through this text and wrestle with this, uh, this topic, this title, the God who judges. Now, if, um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 18, uh, verse, uh, the whole chapter, verse 1 to verse 33. And allow me to read it. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door as his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let the little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three sears of fine flour, knead it and make, make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man, who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of woman has ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men said, set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, blessed in him. 
For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham when he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the man turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far from it, but far be it from you to do such a thing, to put, a, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as, as the wicked, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I, who, who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he asked, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again. But this once, suppose 10 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, before we start, uh, let us begin with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you um, and give thanks. Uh, we pray that may you help us to, to understand your text, your, your word. Father, help us to encounter you as you reveal yourself through your word. Uh, we pray that uh, may you give uh, each of us a heart uh, that will humble before you. We ask that the Holy Spirit will illuminate our mind uh, grant us uh, wisdom um, to understand. We pray that you may you, um, your word may be speak forth and uh, to encourage us, to convict us our, our ways, uh, to equip us. And Father, we pray that help us to live a life that according to your ways. Uh, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, the, the God who judges. I think there are a lot of people who struggle uh, with this idea, uh, and including myself in my early day of uh, journey of faith. Um, people will say, if God is a God of love, well, he doesn't send people to hell. If God is a God of judgment, uh, then he can't be a God of love. And I can't reconcile this two things. 
And yet the Bible insists that not only is God a God both of love and wrath, not only do those two things not conflict with each other, but they are actually established each other. Uh, one pastor puts it this way, as he reconciles this God's love and God's judgment, he puts it, one without other is nonsense. One without the other is meaningless. If you actually try to somehow remove uh, one side uh, to exercise the Christian message of this wrath and judgment of God, what you actually have is nothing left at all. In another words, um, without judgment, the love of God, His righteousness, His and to His love. God's judgment, the judgment of God, awaken us, awaken us to His righteousness, to His mercy and love. Now, uh, please let me know um, if you couldn't hear me clearly just now, my, my computer shows that my connection is unstable. Um, please uh, do, do, do let me know. Yeah, Chris, you were, you were cut off for a moment, so you could reconnect the first part. Go back one, two minutes maybe. <laughs> okay. So is it okay now? Should I just, just uh, repeat uh, some of the words? It, it, it's okay now. It's okay now, but uh, okay. we missed the first part about you explaining the part about the judgment and love at the, the conflict the apparent conflict that that part was missed out yeah all right all right yeah um so the, the basic ideas is um the the judgment um without without the judgment of god um the love of god his righteousness his grace his mercy uh, is meaningless it is just it's a shell of itself um, God's judgment will awaken us to his righteousness, mercy, and love. Now today, we will go through three points. Uh, the first point is um, God will judge our deeds. The second point is God will judge our sinful heart. And the third point is God would, will expose our need, our need to his mercy. So God's judgment will expose our evil deed. God's judgment will expose our, our sinful heart and God's judgment will expose our need. And we look at the first part of Genesis chapter 18, from verse 1 to verse 8. Uh, God is righteous. God is holy and just. Yahweh is the God who judges. When, whenever we see there is injustice, uh, the poor being oppressed, power abuse or sexual exploitation, physically or emotionally and mentally abused, we immediately feel uh, anger and we feel furious. We get angry to read news like that or we see things happen around us. Uh, it's interesting to see on one hand, uh, today our culture, we, we, pursue, we pursue justice, we demand justice. But on the other hand, we, we live in a life where, in this world where no one has right to questions and no one will, will have a right to say uh, what is right or what is wrong. Even uh, for a four-year-old this past few days, I was talking to this young kid and then he said, oh, well, everyone gets to live the however they want. Uh, everyone does that. 
And it's interesting to see this go so far to this four-year-old um, uh, mind. And why we ought to care about all these things? Who is the judge? Who gets to say who is righteous or not? Therefore, we can live however we want. Well, unless there's a God who defines what is right and wrong, what is evil and what is unjust, we have no authority other than just opinion. Who to say you are right or wrong? But God is righteous, good and holy. He defines good and evil. And there is a right way to live our life. And that is to have a right relationship with this righteous God. Who is in complete opposite to all that is sin, to all that is evil in this world. In fact, we know that in, in, in our God, we know that inside us that there is something that are evil no matter what people say, no matter what somebody's opinion is. Um, we don't have to say murder is wrong. We don't have to say sexual abuse is, is wrong. Um, in a world that is uh, crooked and ruined with rebellion, then I think deep down, we all know we need a just God, a judge that will condemn, a, a God that will punish, a God that will deal with the crimes of the world. And that is because we are made in his image the image of the righteous God. And things are against his image, his characters, we know, we know deep inside us, we know in our heart that that is He shows it by uh, a complete destruction of evil. And in this Genesis chapter 18, well, later in, in chapter 19, we see the Lord rain down on on, on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire out of heaven. We see he destroyed those cities and all the valleys and the, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. We ask, what is their sin? We ask, what is their sin? Well, later on, we see... Um, First thing came to my mind, if you ask this question, what, what is the wicked things they do? The first thing came to my mind is probably sexual immoral or immorality, corruption, injustice, violence, murder. But we read uh, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 to verse 50, we see the real sin of Sodom. It says, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did not leave an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. The real sin of Sodom, the wicked things that they have done, is the radical inhospitality, or turning one's back upon the strangers and the neediest in our midst. And rather than welcoming the traveler, the surgeoners into their home, feeding them, the men of Sodom wanted to, to, to raid them, to exert their power over them. And we see Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 alluded to this account saying that, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels 
without knowing it. I think if we, all of us, if we have a right relationship with God, to have and uh, is to have a right relationship with the need, with the poor, with the oppressed. It is to show hospitality, caring for the poor and needy. It's interesting to see Abraham serve the three men who visit him at the, at the beginning of this chapter. He acknowledged them as Lord. And then we read, um, we, we, we read um, quick, three seers of a fine flour, kneaded and make cakes, took a calf tender and good, gave it to the young man who, who prepared quickly. He took curds and milk and calf that, that had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. We see he was taking care of their needs. And as they travel, if we, if we are not caring for the poor or not involved caring for the poor, then we won. We can't relate to Jesus because Jesus says, this is who am I? This is what I am doing. And we should be aware of um, not to exploit the poor and the uh, the crude wealth to ourselves like the Pharisees. It's easy to see, look at, it's justified, look at what I have done, great things uh, in the name of the Lord. I have serving the needs and, and take care of the poor. But on the other side, we, we are not aware of, we are actually exploiting, we are actually taking advantage of the poor and needy emotionally or physically. And sometimes we think that we are religious and we have this high uh, moral, ethical, but if we don't care about all this, the oppressed of the poor, we don't have the relationship with God at all. Jesus tells a story on, on the last day. He said, we, two groups of people, we'll see two groups of people. Um, he's going to say to one group of people, say, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was without shelter and you took me in. I was in prison and you came to me. And then he is going to say to another group, say that I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And both groups were asked, Lord, when, when did we see you, Lord? When did we see you? Then the Lord says, two groups, one group said you did it, and another group said that you didn't do it. Um, he said, to the, to the very the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And they said, another group, you didn't do it for me. One will go to eternal life, and, and one will go away into eternal punishment. And this is how God shows his judgment. He exposes our, our wicked deed is to, is to exploit and not to care the poor and, and to be selfish and to, to exploit others, uh, the oppressed and poor and the need. Uh, and it shows that in, through our work. So that is God, uh, his judgment exposes um, our wicked deed. Um, the second point, um, in the later part, God's judgment exposes our sinful heart. We see 
Psalm 7, it says, the Lord judges the people. He says, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end and may you establish the righteous. You who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. My shield is with God who saved the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and God who feels indignation every day. After all, the Lord searched the heart and tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That's what Jeremiah says. And God dying on our behalf. Uh, we look at the judgment that the judgment bring forth and judge our sinful heart. And most people um, didn't believe, but those who believe wouldn't follow him. They wouldn't act on the way that they knew. And Jesus cries out to, to warn them about judgment. And the religious leaders um, obey Ten Commandments. They do everything that's right, but something is wrong with their heart. They are out of pride. They, they have been told. Uh, in, in another passage in 1 Samuel 16, we read, we, we will read, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the heights of his statues because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God, look at our heart. Uh, we will be judged according to our work on the basis of what we have done. But it sprung from deep within our heart, our selfish, sinful desire. And Romans said no one could be good enough. We read, uh, it's based on by the fruit that we will know the tree. How do we know which tree is alive or dead? By the fruit. To find out what is in our heart. And our heart is, is self-centered, self-righteous, and compared to on the other side, what we ought to do is to open to, to God, humble, needing His grace, His mercy, and that it will change us the way we live. And God look into our heart. And in this case, uh, we, we see, uh, we read Sarah, that the Lord has exposed her as much as she denied it, but God looked into our heart and said, yes, you did laugh. And last week was coming from the uh, book of Luke, and we come to this passage when we talk about two foundations, two houses, two foundations. When rain and storm um, came, they were just destroyed um, the house. And we see um, the, the statement that Sarah just, just uh, did, or she laughed to herself. And her laugh has this little uh, humor saying that uh, she says, I'm worn out. She uses a word that really means useless, good for nothing. Um, even you shall now have this pleasure. Basically, it's a, refer to a, to a sexual pleasure. And perhaps we look into it and say perhaps it's a pleasure of having a child. But actually, uh, what she meant was, is this pleasure. My, my husband is not going to touch me at all, let alone um, to have uh, a child. And God see through her heart. 
and what what God see is is her being bitter, and God confronted him and God looked into her heart. And then we ask our ask this question: Our heart uh, are we being disbelieved uh, to this way? Are we do what is right from the outside, but deep inside our heart we justify everything based on our work? It's just being a selfish way of thinking, uh, on doing things. So God judgment will show that God will exposes our our sinful heart. But that is not uh, the end. Uh, that is not the end of the news. All this bad news. But God's judgments also show His mercy. If we don't know His judgment, we will not live in His mercy. Judgment and mercy intertwine um, in a very interesting way. I think it is through judgment that we can come to desire. We can have this desire and to want to expect. And to hope for God's mercy, we will recognize our needs for God's mercy. And sometimes it is through judgment that uh, came that actually leads mercy for others. We see judgment came down on Pharaoh, the Egyptian army who pursued the Israelites on the Red Sea, when the water came down and crashed on them, and that was the judgment from God. But it is also mercy toward the Israelites. It was a liberation on the Israelites, and God sent this uh, his his warning as he judged the sin of this world and telling the world that I am a God who is righteous and just. And then it is warning, and it is also a mercy to us to repent from our way to live a life that is righteous, lest we become like them. In Deuteronomy, and God says to Israelites, "Say the same thing: You shall be judged if you don't obey." The line of this judgment, mercy—it just this this line of judgment and mercy cut down right in the middle of each of us, every person. And Paul says, "No one is righteous. Indeed, no one is righteous." Understanding that no one is righteous make all all of us a people. Who is long and desire the need, uh, who is in need of God's mercy. On one hand, we embrace our brokenness, creates a need and desire for mercy, and corresponding the need with mercy, and that changes the way that we live our life. That changes everything. We with mercy suddenly we see things totally different. We learn things that we can't、uh, learn otherwise. Or we see things that we can't see otherwise, or we will hear things that we can't hear otherwise. So often that without mercy, we are we are quick to judge, we are quick to make decisions that is unwise, and we weren't able to stop and listen and give benefit of the doubt to the, to others, and we will fail to show mercy. And that God's mercy will create a heart, a praying heart, pray that. Pray for others, willing to spend time with others and go through with their struggle.、Um, I come across this question. It says, "Do you know what is your family need the most?" When this question comes to to me, that that a lot of things come to mind, and including perhaps I need to change my my water filter. Perhaps I I I need 
uh, a newer car perhaps. Um, but the real answer is this, is God's mercy. The most important thing is that our family need the most is mercy, God's mercy. We didn't need to get more organized. We didn't need more money. We did, we, what we need is God's mercy. And with that in mind, it changes the way that we do things. It changed our way that we live our life. Indeed, mercy means getting the judgment, not, the, yet not getting the judgment that we deserve. And that is God's mercy. And we read the account that God showing, uh, um, showing that Abraham pleads God for God's mercy to spare the city. And we read that Abraham stepped forth and asked, Will you indeed sweep away all the righteous people with the wicked? And then he go on to, to plead in. Uh, uh, would, you, would you destroy all of them? And then God said, no, I will spare them. And then he continued. I, if 30, would you still spare them? If you get to 10, uh, will you still, still spare them? And indeed, at the end of the story, we see God says, yes, I will spare them. I will not destroy it if, if there's ten, there are 10 righteous people. But we know this, the end of the story, isn't it? Abraham didn't, get, didn't save Sodom. Um, with this, uh, when, when, when Abraham gets to 10, it says, let's just leave us waiting. What if Abraham to, to say, Lord, will you, I will speak one more time. Will you save and spare the city for just one righteous um, man? As I read this text to expand my imagination, what if Abraham asked this question? What will God say to this? And we know the answer, don't we? On the cross, Jesus gave up his life to save all of us. Jesus lived a, a righteous life, the life that we all ought to live. And not only that, he take up, he take all the punishment that we all deserve. And with his righteousness and God spare and God saved us all because of what Jesus has done on the cross. You and I know that we need a high priest we, to, to plead for us. We need God's mercy. And the good news is, Jesus is the advocate. And we see Abraham pray for all these people who might, uh, these people are evil, who might kill him if they, they live together. Abraham risked their life, but Jesus prayed for people who, will, who were killing him. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Abraham breathed his life before the holy God in order to save the wicked city. But Jesus gave his life for all of us who are sinners. And Jesus is the one truly righteous judge whose righteousness saves us all. God's mercy has led us to his greatest act of love, to send one and only son to die on the cross for you and me 
so that we can experience His grace and His mercy. And that only will lead us, God's judgment only will lead us to, to come before Him and humble ourselves before Him to examine our heart, our thoughts, our mind that lies within us, that is invisible to the outside world, that we can live righteously, showing care and demonstrate His mercy and grace to others, to the poor, to the, need, to the needy. And the only way to show grace is to experience God's grace. The only way to show mercy is to experience God's mercy. And the only way to show love is to experience God's love for us. And the way that we show just and justice is to experience His just and justice. And indeed, God's judgment exposes our evil deed. We look into our heart and say our, our, our inhospitality caused by our pride and because we want to live a comfort life and this disregard to the poor and needy and occasionally do once uh, here and there. But in general, we have this uh, pride in our, our, our heart, that selfish heart that God exposes all of this. And God also, His judgment exposes our sinful heart. We our heart just covered by our appearance, covered by our outward behavior, but God sees through all of it. God sees our hearts. And then God's judgment exposes our need, our need to His mercy. And then our salvation is freely given by God through His mercy. May the bad news of judgment awaken us all, awaken all of us, our hearts, to the good news that only can be found in Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for you have uh, what you have done on the cross that where your mercy and grace uh, met and they demonstrate the greatest act of love. Father, we, we know that we deserve um, um, punishment for our sinful uh, um, deed and our sinful heart. And Father, we Pray that help us to examine our heart and look into our behavior, but yet come to rest in the good news of the work that you have done on the cross and help us to seek your mercy and help us to show mercy to others. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.